This is a CNA podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to our podcast. My name is Adrian, and I'm Crispina. So this week we are talking about allies at work. Now, when I say allies, Adrian, what comes to your mind? I think for me, it's really someone who will stand up for you, and perhaps someone in a position of power that could also help you to defend against any form of nonsense that's directed to you. We were having this conversation just before we recorded, right, about allies, and you were saying that actually friends are more important than allies at a workplace. Oh yes, I truly think so. I think it may not be that possible to find someone with a position of strength that can really. Have your back all the time, especially if you work in a small environment where the office headcount is already so small. Where else do you find this back mountain that you can lean against? <laughs> to be quite honest, I've never given it any serious thought until someone at dinner mentioned that having allies at work was a big factor in someone's success. Then I started to think back. Okay, let me go back and see if there were people in my career who have been in my corner, who have advocated for me. When I'm in a meeting, for example, with let's say a very senior person, said something that supported my point of view, something like that. According to a definition we found online, to be an ally is to be in an active state of partnership. It is the act of using one's power, position, or privilege to uplift others. That's what we want to get in today. What exactly does allyship look like? How can you get allies at work? And more importantly, does it really matter in your career? Our guest today is Alice Yu, who is team lead for partners and industry marketing at NCS Group, an IT services provider. She's also co-author of "Before the Good Things Come," a career book for Gen Zs to navigate ungoogleable myths at work. Welcome, Alice. Hi, Chris. Hi, Adrian. Happy Chinese New Year. Happy New Year. Same to you. Okay, Alice. First, tell us a bit more about yourself. A little bit about your career. I always say I'm a mom with three hats. There are three things I'm passionate about. My kid, my work, and my side hustles, which are a lot. Right now at work, I am taking care of the partnership and industry marketing at NCS Group. We are number one IT service provider in Southeast Asia. I'm a mother to a six-year-old boy. He's currently in school, so home is quieter. Yes. <laughs> and <laughs> and my side hustles. Well, I have two major passion points. I'm busy with. I'm a founder of a mother's community called Mama on Pilot, whereby we advocate for mother's mental wellness through art. This was born the same year as my kid, as I became a mom myself, and I realized mental health is very important for parents. And another passion project which I started two years ago with two friends is this book called Before the Good Things Come. So, as mentioned, we kind of try to debunk the most commonly asked questions by Gen Zs and young millennials at workplace. Some things that the boss or even mentors may not be able to tell you. And we actually invited 24 very senior leaders around the world to answer to those questions. So we're actually launching it early February. Oh, actually, title sounds very interesting. Before the good things come. So, what's the number one question Gen Zs always ask you? 
how to get promoted. Yes, it was surprisingly, but surprising and not surprising. Everybody at work they want to make a progress somehow, and、um, yeah. I read some CNA research in the past year, saying ninety seven percent of people who are surveyed. Said they feel like they're stuck at work and、um, they don't know how to make progression. So I don't think it's just a question relevant to Gen Zs. It's actually、mm. relevant to each one of us. That's true. And I guess progression is something that wouldn't be possible in isolation, which really gels well with what we want to talk about today, which is allies at work. So before we jump right in, what does allies at work personally mean to you? Chris actually mentioned a good point about friendship at work. I do have a lot of friends at work, like friends you can hang out for lunch and dinner and a break with at work. Most of the times, the friends I form they are from a variety of tracks. I'm generally interested of people who have an interesting background, or just simply moms or women, and we we will just talk about personal family stuff. So this is friendship, right? But I think allyship is something that is one step further. That is something that not just you talk about life, parenting, and things like that, but something that can really help each other to work more efficiently and also to help each other succeed. That's what allyship at the workplace to me is about, and how that's different from friendship. Right? Have you had a very strong ally, or were you aware that you had allies at work, or Was it something you were aware about? Because I feel like most people don't really know. It's not like a formal thing. You don't go in thinking, "Okay, I'm going to find an ally today." It doesn't work <laughs> yes, like that,、exactly. right? It's a relationship that you build. Did you have allies at work? Yes, absolutely. I agree with you. It's like friendship, right, or marriage. You can't really force it to happen, but it's something that I would say allyship sometimes starts with friendship. Mm. And you need to click with each other, have a good chemistry with each other, and then gradually you will move on to talk about work. I had one, a very good one, in my previous work. There was one very crazy campaign that I want to do as a marketer, and this is some kind of a social experiment that nobody has done in a marketing team, right? So I、uh, was trying to first get support from my own team, but everybody was busy with their agenda. And they are not too sure about the risk and outcome and the, the ROI of doing this task together with me. I very casually formed this bonding with another team, which is outside of marketing. And how we formed the friendship obviously started talking about innovation, sharing crazy ideas. We found we like each other, and sometimes they will borrow me for their own activities on a pro bono basis. I don't mind devoting that time. And gradually, that allyship formed, and I just went to the team's lead and said, "Hey, I want to do this crazy idea, but I'm lack of support. Can you just lend me some arms and hands?" And she didn't hesitate. She just said, "Yes, of course. Take some of our interns, some of our trainees, and just let them go with you." In the end, I really borrowed a team of three people to go down with me for that experiment. It's actually a straight interview. And it's something that big company has never done before on the marketing front. And we spend less than a thousand dollars for the camera crews, which is also not traditional for a big company because usually they are on a bigger marketing budget. But we produced something, and end of the day, 
that actually hits the highest number of impressions, reach, and engagement on the company's social media channel. And we were very proud of it. And even those team members I borrowed over, they actually acted as the host in that film. They feel very proud of themselves and appearing as the host on that company's social media channel. So I think that is、uh, the allyship. It really helped me. Without that bonding, the relationship, I wouldn't be able to make it happen just on myself. Yeah, that's quite a powerful example, actually. So what I learned from that listening was that you actually have to make friends with people outside your team, <laughs> and also have very cooperative colleagues, lah. Yes. We went to look up the definition, and I think it's quite a Western one from the way I look at it. Because it says that allies are usually in a position of power or privilege. In the Western context, I think because it's about diversity. So, for example, right, they want to give more voice to people of color. They want to give more voice to women, and so someone higher up in the hierarchy has this idea that okay, I will take an interest in a woman. I will take an interest in a minority, and I would help them out simply because they are in a position of power. Right? Maybe it's the manager. It could be the managing editor. Not necessarily the CEO, of course. To me personally, on paper it sounds pretty good, but in reality, it could come across as perhaps something that might look like favoritism. What do you think? Yeah, it's a tricky one. Obviously, because of the differences in your hierarchy,、mm. if you get someone to be a stronger voice, right, for whichever. Opinions, actions you want to push forward. It does sounds like you are taking advantage of this friendship、yeah. or allyship, whatever you call it. I think there is something that you can make it a mutual benefit for not just yourself,、mm. but for a wider group of people. Let's say just now you mentioned about diversity, right? In my current company, diversity is important and it's something that we want to raise awareness for. Yeah. In a giant tech company, how do you raise awareness for women in tech? How do you raise awareness for diversity and inclusion? On my marketing front, I can create stories and all that, but we need that stronger voice from the top to really make it as a movement. Right. I don't want to just make it for myself. I want this movement to benefit all the women, working mothers, young girls. In this company, right? So that is why I personally always believe in the power of community. In my side hustle, when I build Mama on Pallet as a community, we gather moms of all works, and we also find powerful ladies to give us advices, whether it's marketing or fundraising or events, etc. Similarly, in the company setting, we want to push for diversity and inclusion. We need to form a community, so it doesn't make it a personal thing. And then it makes more natural and makes more sense for a senior leader to actually give her voice to us as a community, rather than being seen as a favoritism on an individual. This should be something to benefit all the women employees rather than just one person. I would imagine with the examples that you've given and the one that you've just shared, you must have great affinity with the people around you, which I guess might be due to your personality type or the time that you spend in those organization. But for people who may just join a new organization starting from scratch, and even worst case, let's say that person is an introvert, don't really want to talk to people, prefer to go lunch alone and watch Netflix. How do you then advise someone like that to go about? Seeking out those allies, and even before that, 
trying to find the right people or perhaps trying to sound out everyone and become friends with a few in order to work towards that allyship. It's true. As you can tell, I'm an extrovert myself, so I don't feel awkward even in an all-stranger environment. But I do have team members or colleagues I know who are more of an introvert type. It might be hard for them to build that chemistry at the beginning. So usually, I will find the easiest start is to work on a project with someone, right? So it always starts from work for introverts. I find a lot of introvert co-workers, they are quite good at their work. It's just that outside of the working setting, they may feel socially awkward or not easily to talk about other things or personal things. Yeah. Or simply they are not comfortable, which I think is absolutely fine. So for them to build that relationship, the easiest way and the most natural way is via work, right? Mm -hmm. To start a small project with others and that allows them to at least talk to the others about work and figure out ways to collaborate. That's the good starting point. And that's something I noticed in many of my introvert friends and co-workers as well. They know their friends at work and even after the project is finished, they will be able to continue carry the relationship forward. That's the point we made about friendships, right? Friendships are actually so much more powerful at work. In all the previous organizations that I've worked with, I still am in contact with my ex-colleagues. In fact, they are now friends, right? In a work setting, it makes you want to go to work every day too because it's like meeting friends every day. So I think that kind of feels like so much more of an important part of work rather than trying to cultivate an ally exactly. to give you some yeah. kind of an advantage. That sounds a bit fake and a bit weird. Yeah. Not that it doesn't help your career, of course. Now that workplaces have converted to hybrid models, which means we hardly see colleagues. A lot of them are working from home most of the time. In fact, we see less of managers and bosses too. Do you think that makes it harder for people to make friends, to make allies at work? I can't speak of the other companies or other teams, but I will just share how my team works. So we have a small team of four, the other co-workers of my Gen Zs themselves. And for me, personally, I'm a fan of working with Gen Zs. Like, oh, I like, really? Yeah, fun. <laughs> and that's why I'm writing the book for them. I think it's important to have the offline bonding, of course. Even when we are working in a hybrid setting, when we're working remotely, we'll try to get out. Just a month ago, we went to iFly at Sentosa just to connect and see each other in person and off work, right? So actually, you feel more easy. And if you tried iFly, you will be vulnerable. <laughs> it was fun and it was good activity for team bonding. I personally always favor something more adventure instead of, you know, watching a movie together. That doesn't allow you to bond. We usually go for those outdoors. And besides that, beyond our group meetings, I will also find time to have one-on-one -on -one talks with them. And usually when we have one-on-one -on -one talks, I try to grab them out for a coffee instead of uh, having it online. It's just really checking on whether everybody's all right and What's every time when we meet, we also talk about something to learn, something they are excited about, they look forward to, and something they feel they need help. So personally, I don't find hybrid working or even fully remote working a problem as long as you take the effort to still build that human connection offline. 
Okay, so that sounds, Alice, like a lot of effort is being put into this by you, which is the manager. In my experience, sometimes managers don't do that. They're not really social people in the first place. An introverted manager. Yeah, exactly. And they're quite content to just let things be, let the staff do their work, and then maybe meet once or twice a week. And it's always in a work setting. I think your point is that if you make the effort, then work becomes a lot more interesting. Yes, you are taking time to plan, think, and execute all these engagement activity doesn't seem they count into your working hours and not something yeah, that you are getting exactly. paid for in your JD. But I think it's an investment. It's an investment in your team's working efficiency mm. and collaboration. And you will see the effect almost immediately. Whenever we bond, like offline, the next week, you will really see everybody feel very energized and they keep talking about what happened last week and making fun of the moments. And that's how you get to work. The engagement portion from the manager, although it's taking extra effort, it's not just a good to have investment, it's a must investment. Mm, That's a good tip. Hi, my name is Julie Yu, and I'm the host of The Climate Conversations. Each week, I speak to guests who give us tips on how we can protect the earth. Every once in a while, we also have interesting stories like how Singapore's first Tesla owner prompted billionaire Elon Musk to reach out to Prime Minister Lee Sen Long, or a chef who makes the juiciest burgers from only plant-based ingredients. For more stories like these, look for The Climate Conversations on our CNA and MeListen apps or wherever you get your podcasts. So over and above uh, what you've just shared, which are very useful on how we should navigate within the workplace to find Mm. friends, to find BFF, and hopefully some of them escalate to become allies. Are there any other angles that you think might be interesting for people to consider, to look at, to explore, whether they are introvert, (laughs) extrovert, whether they are middle manager, entry-level staff? What other things should they look at? Any specific blind spots they should be careful about? Maybe there are three points I want to share. The first right. one is being formal and formal at work. Obviously, at work, you have the setting of hierarchy, who manages who, mm. who reports to who, and all that, right? But that's also not entirely about a human being. Sometimes you don't need to be so formal, mm. like, oh, I report to you, so I cannot talk to the other manager. I feel like sometimes you can be informal a bit, and just treat each other as a human and never split the difference whether you are millennial, Gen Y, Gen Z. We are just like people, right? And the second point I think is, like I shared before, I really gained a very good experience from having a friendship and allyship outside of my team. It's not to say that building an allyship within your team is not important. It's very, very important. It's a foundation for you to work with your own team But sometimes it's worth taking time and effort to jump out of your team or even your division to see what are the IT guys doing? What are the operational guys doing? Don't feel shy. Don't feel awkward. Just show curiosity. And most of the times people are willing to share what they are doing. And sometimes I talk about being unintentional with your intention. (laughs) 
So it doesn't mean that every time you reach out for a meeting or for a chat, you must be going there for something. Like, hey, I want you to help me in the future. I don't know when I want to redeem this credit. No, it's not that way. It's just like a natural curiosity, building relationship, genuinely trying to understand about each other. Um, and yes, maybe in the future you will be able to leverage on that relationship to help mm. each other. But that shouldn't be the main purpose for you to build the relationship. Last but not least, is take it easy because I think I have a, quite a few friends who are introvert, and sometimes they will feel like, "Hey, how can you be a social butterfly in a, so many stranger setting?" I was like each of us have our own unique personality. It doesn't matter whether you are introvert or extrovert. You just take it easy, right? And take your time. If you don't build relationship that fast, just give it some time. Maybe for me, I can know ten people within a month. For you, you just need to have one quality relationship that you build within ten months. Right? It's okay. Just take it at your own pace. And as long as it's something that is valuable for you, useful for you, and just go for it. Now、yeah, that makes absolute sense. Thanks, Alice, for sharing your views on this very fascinating topic. I totally agree with you. I have a tendency to just go up to people, say hello. What are you doing? I'm curious about this. Can you tell me a little bit more? And it's not because I really needed any particular help. I was just such a capo, basically. And at some point, that helped me. I can give you an example, lah. So I make friends with someone from another department, and then I had to come up with a deck to present, and I didn't know where to start with the numbers. So because I'd been having coffee with this guy, like literally every other time we would complain about each other's jobs, he helped me out. He was like, "Hey, you can look at this. I can send you this. I'll give you this Excel sheet." And I was like so、Wonderful. thankful. So、yeah. of course, when I was making friends with him, I had no idea he was gonna help me. Right? It's fine if he didn't or if he couldn't. But I thought back to myself and think, okay, thank God I made friends with this guy.、Yeah. So I think that's the main point, right? It doesn't have to be formal, but it has to be unintentionally intentional, like you say. I think it also makes work so much more interesting.、Uh. So I benefited from having allies. It could be something as simple as agreeing with me at a meeting, or helping to set up a collaboration that can move along. Or in the case of this guy, helping me with my deck. I think for me, it's really looking at how all this different external support has come in over the course of my career, which of course I spent primarily doing my own business. So for me, the allyship actually came largely from some of the customers that I work well with, and some of the a couple of investors that also came into our business. Those really helped. And even outside of that, there are people that you generally just look up to, can provide you with the right guidance. The influence, the cloud to help you move things forward, like what Alice mentioned, is really on point. You just be genuine in trying to develop that friendship. Of course, be curious about others people's life because if it's all about yourself, people won't be interested. They will just be turned off. And as those relationship blossom and mature, I think it is quite natural for us to have each other's back and beyond. Ultimately, just be a good person, and I think all that good karma will come back naturally. Yes, good karma. It's very important. Thanks for listening to this episode. You can get Worky on Spotify and Apple too. Follow and give us a review if you can. 
The team behind this podcast is Jacqueline Chan, Joanne Chan, Sai, Goss Adrian, and I'm Crispina signing off.